Left. Right. This episode, we are talking about inflation and the gig economy. <clears throat> the true cost of inflation is really quite stunning. You think about things like gasoline. Gasoline, obviously, super high right now as the recording this podcast. But that's a recent increase. Gas really hasn't followed the trend of inflation. When you look at the cost of gas and compare that to the cost of cars or the cost of housing, uh, then you put the uh, wages line right alongside of that. And these lines don't trend upward at the same level. Think about the cost of milk 10 years ago. Think about the cost of milk today is not as stunning of an increase as is the cost of real estate. So uh, some interesting topics we talk about. And um, as mentioned, the gig economy we do touch on as it looks like nearly 50% of the most recent generation is working in the gig economy and not working in a traditional career-minded salary job. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 We are live. Welcome to Sip Talk, episode 174. My name is Justin DiGiulio out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by Adam Sindeman. Adam Sindeman, political commentator. Adam is a man of morals, questionable man of morals, but uh, but not a man of questionable morals. Uh, Adam, Depends on how many drinks I've had. Uh, well, I hope you have a drink with you right now. I'm glad to have you. Uh, glad to have you rejoining us. This is not your first episode of Sip Talk. Today, we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about inflation, a topic that you have come to the table, or should I say, bar? See so you sitting at your living room bar. Uh, so you've come to the bar to discuss inflation. I'm curious your, your perspective, but right off the bat, I'm curious what you're drinking. Uh, I'm actually drinking some uh, Buffalo Trace, um, some of the finest, finest uh, scotch out there and finest whiskey for America. I think it was actually made before America was founded. Um, and uh, I thank Joe Rogan for turning me on to this stuff. I can't stop drinking enough of it. So, And I got some engraved glassware for Christmas from some, uh, some very nice relatives. And why not? So toast to you, man. Cheers. We're going to thank Rosh Galeb, who's joining us in the background, sharing your comments with us in real time. Hi, Tori. Glad you could join us. Uh, I got a I got a glass of Doucet in a bullet bourbon uh, in a bullet bourbon mug here. So, oh, all right, I'm about the bullet bourbon. That's 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 some good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, last episode we talked about the new what they're calling anti-gay legislation legislation in Florida. Uh, on, I don't want to get too deep into the Ukraine talk because we've done like four episodes on Ukraine. But I do, I do like a bit of the political commentary. I actually wish we had had you on board the last couple of episodes when we talked about Ukraine and where we talked about the Florida legislature, um, because I know that you are a more, you're more on the left, uh, you're more left leaning, but but decreasingly and decreasingly, which. Is, <laughs> Yeah. Which, is that an accurate statement? I think that's totally accurate. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, why would you say that you are left leaning, but decreasingly? And because I remember during the Trump administration, you got some more right wing family members and there was a lot of internal family strife. But I feel like now more so than ever, you can understand some of their perspective on this. So tell me what's going on in your in your brain in your brain. Man, that's that's an overloaded question. Like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've always learned in my life that uh, too much of anything is no good. And uh, so you've been so you, so the majority of your life you've been you've been liberal. So now just you you've hit the too much point and uh, you just change it. 
A little, like a little bit. Like I feel like maybe, maybe the party is kind of moving away from what you know I grew into, and it's kind of catering to a different generation, to so to speak. I know that sounds nuts because I'm only 31 years old, but I'm not that young as I used to be anymore. And I don't think that the Democratic Party caters as much to an older class people as per se maybe you know the younger generations. Um, but I, I, I think that the Democratic Party has just gone too far in a lot of their agenda. And like, there's just no red line in the sand for anybody of like, what is too far. And I feel like we're paying attention more and more about like, you can't say anything wrong, your whole life is over. Uh, and we're going to dig through your whole life and ruin you if you said anything that could be considered temper, you know, somewhat out of line to some individual out of, you know, uh, 8 billion people in the world. And I I find that to be like not what we need to be focusing on. And and not to say that the Republicans or conservatives have some ideas that could really help our country go in the right direction. I don't think they have any ideas. I just think that they're just not Democrats, which will probably be why they win the election in the fall by a land. But I will say, though, that Democrats seem to want to pick a lot of social justice warrior mentality fights. And I don't know if that's necessarily what we need when we highest inflation in 60 years and eight, nine dollars a pump at the gas for a gallon. I, I, I just I don't think well, that we're seen, like I haven't seen eight or nine dollars a gallon. I've seen over five, not personally, but in some videos. And some well, videos. you live in Jersey, so, uh, you know, yeah, but the Jersey prices always have been lower than substantially lower than New York State. That's my point. And for the last few years, they've actually they have not been. I mean, they've been, they've been lower than my Manhattan gas station near my old apartment, which was four ninety nine for the last eight years. Sure, but, I mean, I have the same thing around the corner for me. But, but I, I, I think though that, and I, I've seen the prices of this in LA. I've seen it in Chicago. I've seen it in in Michigan. I've seen, you know, all across social media. You know, as as many of us do every day. I've seen this this gouging of gas and i've also talked to a lot of homeowners out there who told me that their gas bill has quadrupled or tripled or doubled in one month well look i i a couple things one i want to say hi to uh, debbie fair here hi to shah of all trades uh also saying hi to you you know shah of all trades okay yeah so, uh but so you're just getting some shout outs i thought i thought i'd let you know but um hey, everybody the 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 gas prices for for fuel delivery not natural gas but but actual uh oil delivery for people's home furnaces that is one that i think is catching a lot of people way off guard because if you've got a 500 gallon fuel tank and you're paying an extra dollar a gallon or so which is actually i i would say pretty average um that's an extra 500 dollars and a monthly basis maybe you're paying, which is a lot of money. I'm locked in on a, a monthly set plan, but my fuel rate right. I think, is I pay $530 a month, every month of the year for fuel. Even That's though, wild. That's but, but I don't, and I don't get fuel delivery in July, but I still gotta pay 530 July, 530 in August, 530 in September. <laughs> so, uh, so, but I've been, but I've been paying this thinking, damn, I must really be overpaying. And then, and I was gonna, I was gonna say, hey, you guys have got me at the wrong rate, you know, my consumption, da da da. But now it's too late because now they're gonna say, we're, you're actually saving money, pal. And Most I'm likely. Say, I'm gonna say, shit, you know, I missed my window of opportunity there. <laughs> uh, but look, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna touch on the inflation thing. I don't, I, you know, yeah. there's a lot of, so a lot of other stuff you're talking about when it, you know, and I, and I, I goaded you into it when I, I started talking about left-leaning and, and right-leaning um and you know i get the the cancel culture reference that you're not a fan of cancel culture james our regular guest host is uh is actually a fan of cancel culture and he feels that it is uh delivered when due i suppose uh and sure but i mean canceling certain people because they say one thing out of context i don't really think is what I let would me <laughs> but not just but look, I, I have a weird relationship with cancel culture also because I just watched a movie with Kevin Spacey over the weekend, and I was like, man, you know, he's he's a bad dude, but he was a good actor. <laughs> Fuck yeah, he was great. So, and I don't give anybody says 
despite despite the guy being what what some would consider a pedophile, the guy was an fucking incredible actor. I mean, watch House oh, of Cards one to, season. But go back to go back to so uh, let's make a differentiation here. All right, Bill Cosby, and then you have Kevin Spacey. So right. I don't think that Bill Cosby was canceled. Actually, I think a lot of people look back at Bill Cosby's work and say, "Man, yeah, he had some good stuff." However, he's done some really, really way worse than Kevin Spacey. He's done some really bad stuff, and now the guy's in jail. We don't like what he did. Now he's in jail. Um, whereas the Kevin Spacey thing was, we don't like what he did. We're going to make him go away. Right? Whereas the Harvey Weinstein thing, we don't like what he did. We're putting him in jail. So there's kind of there's there's kind of different levels here. I think right. the them, you know taking care of something. And then being able to respect someone's body of work seems perfectly reasonable to me. And and again, Bill Cosby, uh, atrocious, terrible, terrible act. Uh, a guy with a serious dark side, and you know should be locked away and never see the light of day again for the rest of his life. He doesn't have a great quality of life left anyway. So it's not like we're punishing him through his thirties and forties. We're punishing through through his worst years anyways. But uh, he he had some good. Uh, some good TV and some good comedy, and uh, you know it's 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 really unfortunate. But my thinking is you have to be able to differentiate the two things and say that was a funny joke. It was a funny joke. The guy also is a scumbag and he's in jail. Well, he's not in jail anymore. But but no, you're right. Look, I I think you have to sometimes. It's okay for me to say, yes, you are a piece of shit. Like, listen, think of Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise is actually probably a legitimate crazy person all right like i actually think he's completely off his fucking rock i i think a lot of what he says about his personal life is fucking bullshit and i think he hides his real life however the guy fucking makes the best fucking movies every time he's in a movie and i am going to sit in that theater i'm going to watch it every fucking time i agree with being said as a personal thing i think the guy is a total whack job and i don't care who hears that he's crazy but same thing for Kevin Spacey. I loved watching House of Cards. I, I, I would be sitting on the edge of my seat watching all those seasons because I thought it was an incredible show. Is he still a scumbag? Absolutely. Is he a piece of shit? Yes. And could I possibly even confirm some of the shit that's allegated according to what's out there in the media? Yeah, I could. However, I don't. I still will compliment the, my, the guy as an actor. And, you know, that's still a job well done despite... I understand it did hurt people and that, you know, we have every right to to punish that person and cancel him for what he did. But we don't have to now just say, oh, all of, the, all of his work for his entire career, including the Oscars, now he doesn't deserve, uh, you know, to have any recognition for the rest of his life. I don't I don't think that that's quite fair, because now for judging on a scale like that. I could just fucking sit here and be like, okay, you know that one thing, Justin, you said when you were six years old, it was really rude. You know what? We're going to cancel you. We're going to make, we're going to fire you. We're going to destroy your life, take away your home, your car, your life, your girlfriend, everything you've ever had. We're going to take it away because that one thing you said at six years old, because I don't know where the line is drawn in these realities. Six is a bit of a stretch. (laughs) But, but, But my point of making it so crazy is what is the red line? You know, we could be talking about Ukraine and Russia, but I don't want to get into that. But there's no red, the red line there. I mean, you know, you have Russian, you know, people saying that they want to cross that red line. But in actuality, I, I, I don't know how, like where it stops. You know, now it seems to stop now with these trans uh, individuals who want to join women's athletic teams. Maybe that's where the line is drawn. Maybe just that's it. We, right? Or cancel culture draws a line on something we said 25 years ago, like Joe Rogan. But I don't we, know. Yes, we, we digress quite a bit. We no. need to we need to get back on track when it comes to when it comes to inflation. And yeah, and and then when we run out of when we run out of topic <laughs> when it comes to inflation, we can we can segue back into uh, we can we can segue back into all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I told you this Buffalo Trace is good, man. I want to. I want to get back into. Uh, I want to get back into what's happening with interest rates and what's happening with with inflation. So, okay. let let let's define uh, inflation right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I got. I got three causes for inflation. 
And number one is the what's called cost push inflation. Okay. The cost of products and goods and services go up because the cost to produce them or the cost of the raw goods, uh, the cost of the wages increase. So if you uh, if you want to buy a, a hamburger for ten dollars this year and the next year your the minimum wage prices have gone up and the cost of ground beef has gone up, that hamburger is now going to cost fifteen dollars. That's cost push inflation. There's another type of inflation called demand inflation. So this hamburger shop selling $10 hamburgers has a sudden increase in demand. So now rather than having half of their tables empty at lunchtime, they have all of their tables full and they got a line out the door. Now, instead of charging $10, they might start charging 12 or 15 or $20 because the demand is there and they can't, they can't, uh, even fully supply all the demand it's going out the door so they're going to increase their prices because people are willing to pay that that's type two demand driven inflation and then type three is the government printing and distributing more money which might even be caused by the government being willing to loan more money because they printed more of it at a reduced rate of interest okay so so right now what we have going on is we have uh, we have high demand, right? You could say and that again. I said, yeah, I mean, the, the demand is definitely high. We look in, in the real estate market where both you and I work in Manhattan, uh, one of the most expensive real estate, uh, you know, one of the city with the most expensive real estate, not just in the U.S., but in the world. Uh, and we have a huge demand with soaring prices. And the prices have have gone up because of the increase in demand, especially relative to the amount of supply. So what did you have on your mind when it comes to inflation? Because I know you wanted to get into this with the interest rates. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, back in the 70s, we, we had a, a real crisis with inflation. Uh, we're currently on track to surpass the uh, what some of the highest inflation we've had in, our, in this century. Um, or in the past century, or within the past hundred years, however you want to phrase it. Well, we like, yeah, I, I like to think of a century as one hundred years, also. Yeah, well, you know, this we're in a different century than we were before, but but you get my point. So, in the past hundred years, this is this is we're about to have the highest inflation we've ever experienced, and we also had issues with supply chain when it came to gas shortages that happened in the seventies, and buying power decreased quite a bit back then. And I feel like we're starting to slowly repeat a lot of what happened. And if you look back in history, especially in 1981, when Reagan first came into office, first thing the regulators and the Fed had him do was pull the brakes on the economy hard. Have you ever driven a car and you pull that e-brake on the car real hard? The car is just basically going to stop short. And you're like, you don't go through the windshield if you don't have a seatbelt on. Well, you know, you know, new cars don't have a, a emergency handbrake. It's a button now. So. Well, I like to buy vintage cars, so you know, I don't, I don't really know. But nonetheless, it's, <laughs> you know, those when that happens to the economy, it's to cool off the economy, because right now we we've had such high demand for so much supply. And we also have lack of jobs on top of that, where people who rather don't want to go to work, this laziness mentality, which is probably the most ultimate America thing we could possibly have going on, <laughs> uh, where they're just like, nah, I don't feel like working. You know, that's that's just the most American I, thing I've ever heard. I of. have I have some comments on that. We're going to talk about the gig economy in, in a little bit, but but let's get Wonderful. back to the, the prices. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, speaking real estate for starters, I think that you're going to see mortgage companies really go in hard on trying to increase faster than the Fed on rates. So you're going to see mortgage rates closer to 10%, I'd say, before the end of the year. Well, the same we're expected to have six upcoming interest rate hikes. Correct. This year. The next one, the most recent one was when? Like last week? Yeah, it, it literally was less than a week ago. And then they're saying the next one is going to be in May. Now, we don't know what, what they're going to look like. We don't know what percentage it's going to tick up. But my guess is at least half a percent minimum they say uh i don't know actually the last i heard initially at the beginning of the year was about 0.25 and now they raised it up 0.25 last week however now they're saying it could potentially be even more they need to be even more aggressive which that's, is that's, yeah that's why it's going to be at least at least half a percentage point but here's what happens yeah. people are 
people are spending a lot of money, right? The uh, we got we got right now we have high demand. Uh, we have a, a, a strong job market. We have this kind of pandemic mania, which is making people spend and act weird. Um, and then we also have what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. So people just aren't quite thinking super straight and super long term. But uh, you're killing me with your video feed here. What happened? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, work you, emergency. Hang on. Uh, work emergency. Yes, I have a lease signing in Australia right now, not Austria. Not Austria. Actually, that was an issue we had today. Yeah, that's we a legitimate thing, by the way. I apologize. We, we were looking at the, uh, not we, actually, I wasn't even a part of this, but you were looking at the, the time difference between the U.S. and Austria and not the U.S. and Australia, which is not good. So look, so we got a lot of stuff out of the high demand, strong job market, pandem pandemic mania, Russia and Ukraine, just things that are causing people to kind of act not not normal. And uh, and then we have this shorter term, massive spending increase. A lot of people have been receiving unemployment. A lot of people yeah. have been paying rent, so they've had extra money that they can use that they wouldn't normally be spending if they were living on a tight budget. We have people that are receiving the pandemic, uh, uh, what are they called, uh, federal uh, bonuses, right? So the four the stimulus checks. Yeah, stimulus. That was the word I was like. People are receiving the, the stimulus checks. So what's happened is there's been a lot of spending. And because there's been increased spending, obviously that means higher demand. But because the spending has gone up at a rate that we weren't prepared for, we've had supply chain issues. You couple the, and the supply chain issues are caused by the increase in demand. Right. One, but also by the increase in the, the decrease in the ability to manufacture and make things. Whereas in China, if you're locked down, you're not going to be able to go to work in the factory and stand, you know, 14 inches next to the person alongside you and, and make whatever it is that you're making. Right. And, uh, and that, you know, so we've had this increase in spending, decrease in supply. So that, that's, that's a double whammy when it comes to inflation. Increase in spending means more demand and then decrease, lower supply means increase, increased prices. So you have that going on and, the U.S. is trying to get a hang on what's happening and slow it down a little bit because now prices for things are becoming exorbitant and they're going through the roof. So what can what can the Fed do to slow down spending? Well, they can introduce higher interest rates, which basically kind of bottlenecks the money coming from the banks. And that starts with mortgage loans. So fewer people buying houses, and if anybody has moved in the last two years, you know, <laughs> you know, the demand for housing is very high. So houses are expensive, and interest rates have been pretty low. I, you know, I know people that are getting interest rates under three percent, or had gotten interest rates under three percent, um, and it also because the the banks are loaning money at a higher rate that affects car loans. Yeah. Right. And uh, and and it also is going to affect credit cards. Which, if your credit card rates are going up, or people opening new credit cards, those rates are going up. People are going to spend less on credit cards. I actually have a gazillion credit cards. I'm really bad with spending money, and I have no idea what any of the interest rates are. So. Uh, most credit cards usually average between like 18, 17, up to like 25, 27%, depending on the card. I, I, I just, I try, to, I try to pay off the balances every month. And, Fair. Uh, and, and the smart I, move. And I, then I don't have to worry about it. But you know, every once in a while, they can creep up a little bit. And uh, I mean, I remember back when we were building the company, uh, you know, owing six figures plus on credit cards, and have you know having payments on every card that was. And I had you know 12, 16 different credit cards, and every card was like I had to pay a minimum payment was like a thousand dollars to twenty five hundred dollars a month. So. Um, you know, at, at that point in time, you know, I really got like, oh, fuck, I, I, I can't just let this money revolve on credit card. I'm paying an insane amount of interest. Uh, but I, I still don't know what the interest was. I was just like, oh, I better fucking pay these things off. <laughs> so, well, um, I can say, though, look, I think that's kind of a scary statement that you just made, though. I, I, I don't know how much people really kind of felt that gravity of that conversation because 
if we're going to now feel the pinch on the consumer's end now for interest rates with car loans, buying a home, or uh, opening up a new credit card and using credit line to buy products when there's no more stimulus checks, there is no more government handouts. That's gone. All right. And on top of that, you have rising goods of, of because of supply chain but, issues. But a lot of people have gotten in the habit of spending over the last two, two years. years. And not working, by the way. And But people have gotten in this habit of spending with this excess money. It's very difficult to get out of a habit of spending because that affects your immediate lifestyle. Right? It affects your, you know, whether you, you know, for us in New York City, you take a cab every day, right? And 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 that adds up you know I, I right there's been times i've taken cabs as my primary sort of mode of transportation and it's 15 to 20 dollars one direction and, you know and i live pretty close to the office um but if you know if i had some extra you know an extra grand or so a month you know because of stimulus or because of unemployment or because i wasn't paying rent and got used to taking cabs and then all of a sudden realized, oh, I've been putting these guys on credit card for a few months. I got to the spending. Uh, you know, and then you got to start taking the subway again. Then you go down deep in the subway and you got these people who are on drugs and all this crazy shit going on. Um, you know, you just feel, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, a diff it's difficult to go backwards when it comes to spending. And I think that's, that's uh, why we have a bit of a crisis right now. It is and it isn't. I, I, okay, so like I don't. I spend money like water. I'm, I'm terrible with with finances. I do try to save. Uh, I you know I I love and thank my girlfriend every day for teaching me how to actually like properly save money because I don't think I would be in a position I'm in without her on that end. Uh, that being said, um, you know you can cut back on certain expenses. Of course, I. But you are right to a degree. Like you, once you build yourself up in a certain lifestyle. It is hard to start cutting things off, you know, and like I've been evaluating a lot, you know, listen, I'll be totally honest. Real estate market has been really tough uh, over the past quite a few months in New York City. There's just no inventory. So it's tough, you know, for us to you know, find great options for people. And, you know, when you're trying to figure out like what you can cut expenses on, it becomes really tough. And, that, and, that's, and I think that's kind of the point where we're running into this every man's spending. You know, you and I aren't multi millionaires we don't have an unending supply of cash and, and also neither one of us works a nine to five regular salary job so no. we are very much you know uh, affected by by these fast swings and uh and it's tough and, and you know we live you know i know my my lifestyle i know your lifestyle we live pretty relaxed and pretty you know living in new york city and this is one thing it took me a little while to learn in new york city especially because I, I was very broke when I moved to New York City, is that there's so much more money in New York City. But people make way more money in New York City than anywhere else, basically, in the U.S., on average. I agree. But you also spend so much more money. You want to get lunch outside of our office, at, you know, unless you want to get, like, half of a sandwich and, <laughs> and a can of Diet Coke, you're you're spending fifteen dollars, right? Like if you want to get an apple, if you want to get if you want to get just a sandwich, a bag of chips, and a, and a, and a diet coke, you're probably looking at sixteen to seventeen bucks. Oh, so, easy. I mean, it's it's funny to me how I've realized now that it I can't walk outside without spending money. But you can't, go, you can't you can't go, you can walk two blocks or four blocks. But but if you get on a subway, you know that's costing you money, and, and that's uh, three bucks basically. I mean, who counts the twenty five cents these days? That's three dollars each way. Then on top of that, you know, you want to buy some food, you want to buy a cup of coffee, unless you're buying, you know, making it in your office if you have the availability to do that, like myself. But otherwise, you're spending thirty, forty, fifty, sixty bucks a day just to like, you know, basically function while you're at your office. You, you um, which. Do you uh, you buy coffee out? Never. I know, you know, I know you make it in the office, and I very, mm -hmm. I think maybe once in 2022, I poured myself a, a mug of your coffee. But um, I got to start taking it. You know, so I make coffee at home. I drink right. it on my ride in, 
and then I get off the train in the city and I stop at Starbucks and get another cup of coffee. So I'm not, I'm, it's a, it's a lose lose for me in that case, but it's really expensive. I don't know why you do that. I mean, I, I make a, I make a pot of coffee every single day next to me at my office because I know it costs that, that container, by the way, of Folgers that I bought. I know, I know we're going a little off topic, but just to be economical for anyone to hear me on this, I went into CVS, cost me five bucks for this massive container of coffee. Uh, I don't, I don't give a shit if it's Folgers or Maxwell House. Like, what the fuck do I care? It's fucking coffee to keep me awake. Well, I mean, back in the day when I, I when I just needed caffeine, I used to buy the boxes of the Lipton's tea, and then I would I would brew. I, you know, I put boiling water over like four bags of tea, and and just you know, and it tasted. It was it was uh, it tasted so bitter and so disgusting, but I would just drink it for the sheer caffeine. Yeah, that that sounds a bit too rough for my taste, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bit too rough for me. Um, but yeah, like why not be economical in that sense? Like three bucks, like, you know, I was listening to Gary V talk on a podcast today and he was talking about how the level of convenience in New York city is so crippling that people will wind up living their lives day to day, struggling about money, but yet we'll pay Grubhub, Grubhub, $4 for a convenience fee for a $3 cup of coffee. Look, I'm a, I'm a big Gary Vee fan, but th that but the th and I'm also you know I'm very attuned with being in New York, and I but that's crazy, we, man. Come we on, deal, that's, we that's... deal with with people's uh, financial statements all the time. You know this. Mm -hmm. We have tax returns, bank statements. It's our job. It's our fiduciary duty to the clients. We're not going to name any names or share any specific details, but I can tell you the number of people that have very little. A, a very low dollar number in their bank account and they spend money on such bullshit. Uh, it's, it's, it's always, it's always Uber. There's always Uber oh. or Lyft on people's bank statements. When somebody's balance is like $19 and I look through like four pages of, you know, I usually look through their statements to make Crazy. sure. So in New York city, when you're applying for an apartment, you have to have your tax returns. You have to have an employment letter. You have to have, Pay stuff. Bank statements. Bank statements. But the landlords, because there's so much fraud in the city, the landlords will look at the bank statements and they'll look at the pay stubs and they'll say, hey, do we see this this amount coming through on you know February 21st? It says they got a, you know, the check is dated, it's a direct deposit. But I looked through people, and, and it's always the people that have the $19 in their account, in their checking <laughs> account, um, and, and usually there's not a substantial savings. I never. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm, I'm just I'm agreeing with you and sharing from personal experience. And they have Grubhub, Seamless, Uber, Lyft, um, you know, just salad where they're getting a salad for sixteen dollars. And 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 it, or if they had chicken, it's like thirty-five at this point. And it and it is a tough city to keep up in with such a, a huge amount of pressure on you to consume to be a consumer. And and I think, but you know, convenience, Justin, you're not you, you have to if you can't talk about consumerism in New York City without talking about convenience. Well, but, that, but it, it's very good marketing. Why wouldn't you order? Out great. You know, why wouldn't you order out tonight? It's easier. You don't want to go to a restaurant and spend all that money on drinks or whatever. But you're not comparing ordering out to restaurant, right? Like, no. Why would I? I, I would love to. What I'm saying when you when you present the idea order in tonight you don't want to go to a restaurant well and then ordering in sounds cheaper and it sounds like you're going to save money but it's not not ordering in versus a restaurant it's, <laughs> it's ordering in versus eating you know two dollars and forty cents worth of food at home it's and that's that okay that's that's a fair argument and i listen i am okay so full let, admission. Let, let, can, can we can we transition into the income specifics that you're a bit frustrated with right now okay that was that was a very smooth transition there jay that was <laughs> i like to, i like to interrupt you. i like to interrupt you from speaking okay i can mute you if i, I have the controls on my end i could mute so you. Wait, 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 like what, what's your question no i, I like to just announce that we're, we're transitioning and that's it's about as, as smooth as it gets right 
Yeah, yeah, okay. It was clunky, but but smooth. It was very smooth. So, uh, well, y y your words. You you wanted to talk about the gig economy and, and how uh, people in the more recent generations have been uh, fucked hardcore. You were really mad about this this afternoon. You're, I am. You're really mad saying, oh, you know, now is a gig economy and everybody's being fucked so hard. So I'm curious. I'd like you to expand on where your thoughts were. So obviously, so so to, to back up and, and then to actually have a smooth transition, prices are high, demand is high, income is, is, is not increasing. And, and now we have people that aren't working your traditional 40 hour work weeks, nine to five health insurance, retirement plans, 401k, and those are things of past. Now it's gig economy, which is Uber or and, and, and this and, and Adam, take it from there. Yeah. So uh, gig economy, right? This is something that's kind of a new term over the past decade, especially for millennials. Um, you know, in the 2008 financial crash, everybody that was coming out of college at that rate was pretty much fucked. Uh, there was no opportunity for jobs. They were all kind of screwed. And like something that's been on my mind is like we built up, I would say, the millennial generation, which now I think is probably the main consuming factor of our economy now. Like we, we are the biggest majority in in the day to day activity of our economy. Are you saying millennials outnumber out almost any other generation? Baby boomers are dying off at this rate. They're not consuming. Yeah, most of them are not in the workforce anymore. So you have what is it, Gen Xer, and then you have millennials, as of right now. So when I when I evaluate that over the past ten years, we've built up a tremendous factor into gig economy, which is freelance work, self-employed, developing their own business plans. So there's no, there's no salary jobs in a majority of states. Well, give me give me some examples of some gig gig workers. Uber was one that I mentioned. Uber is one. Yes, uh, dog walking in New York City. Dog walking is a massive massive business. All right. So I would also say, think about, um, I'm trying to think of another gig now, uh, real estate. Being a real estate agent is considered, I would say, freelance, self-employed work. Okay. Uh, maybe we could also consider something along the lines of uh, carpentry business, construction. You could do freelance work like that, no? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, you a little clean up, a little broom and sweep, you know? But now you have companies like um, what, what's the Fiverr and what's the other one that I do? Where um, TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit. Oh, great, great find on that actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good. Big part. So yeah, like so so a couple couple examples obviously of freelance work and being self-employed is a lot of work. You're working twenty four seven. You're working for yourself. Maybe there's no boss that you have per se, but. You have to keep charge of yourself day to day, every single day, plugging along to make sure that business is operating. However, when the economy, you know, gets into a position where the cost of goods gets too expensive. So now you're eating it on one end. Like, let's say let's use Uber as my example for the gig economy for a minute. So I'm an Uber driver in New York City. I'm now getting eaten on the fuel cost, which Uber actually had to announce last week alone that they're now going to add a tax for fuel because the fuel prices are so high. I don't know if you caught that email or not. However, you now also have the fact that their margins are pretty small. They have to work 14 hours and then they're told from the application they have to go to sleep so they can get some rest. So and not, then they don't have to work 14 hours. They're limited at 14 hours. Okay, that's fair. Uh, fair, fair correction. And then on top of that, they're, they're in a very competitive market in New York City. However, when, as you put it before, when people don't have the spending power that they've been accustomed to for the last two years, and they're getting eaten on the fuel charges, and inflation continues to rise, what's now going to happen to people like that in the gig economy? And when that accounts for nearly half of the entire economy we've rebuilt since 2008, what, in my mind, or yours, is going to be the next wave in the economy that's going to help regrow from out of this? Because... I'll be honest with you. I know that we're all trying to talk about like the new normal and like we're all going back to the way things were, but the economy does not feel what it was in 2019 or 2018. 
the economy to me feels like we're in this like weird like not wanting to face reality slash like we're like well, I feel in like a it's recession a, a lot of not wanting to face reality and maybe that will fuel the virtual reality you know, the metaverse um, conversation please yeah. don't get me started on that uh, fucking buy but, land in the metaverse but the gig economy is composed of people who want short-term jobs they can work on their own schedule and that require a limited amount of commitment and right. now short-term jobs i think it's only expected that these are the type of jobs that are going to be most affected as the wind blows as the winds of change blow the these light jobs that you're working your part-time pickup jobs that you're working outside of the nine to five if you have a nine to five or you're working during the day because you don't have a nine to five these are the jobs that are going to float away now your you know your nine to five salary jobs are, are, are going to last longer now yeah sure you know people get laid off and those jobs are still affected by the economy. But mm -hmm. it's no surprise to me that the gig workers are the first ones to be affected by the the winds of, of you know, economic... Uh, they placate to the consumer. They No, but come on, Justin. That, no, that's not right. Because they placate to that consumerism of convenience, especially in major cities. Uh, exactly. And so, but, that's, but that's my point. These are easy jobs to get. These are easy jobs to get. Don't require a lot of skill. You can get... You could, if I was to get, if I, you know, I don't know if I'd start driving Uber, but um, not that that's a bad gig, but it, it's something that you can do very quickly. But it, it, uh, if if my job was to be eliminated, I could the very next day pick up another job and start and start that job, right? And, and, yeah, and you could potentially. But my thinking is that people that make their sole source of income the gig economy. Are going to be the first ones that suffer when the winds of change come come around, and and but that's a big follow, sector of the economy. That's not you're right, and this is where I'm this is where I'm going with this. You said a lot of these millennials and and Gen Xs and the other following Gen Zers are working this, in this gig economy. So I think that that very much mirrors our culture now as it is. Think about it. You get these pickup jobs. You can work when you want. It's not very tough. It's it's you and I have had the same job basically for the majority of the last decade. There's not many people that stick things out through thick and through thin. Okay, now when it's thick, it's great, but when it's thin, it gets very scary and very frustrating. But the first people to drop out of that business, and you and I know some people that have dropped out of this, they're not going to win when the windfall comes and it's thick again. They're sure. going to go to their gig job, which if that job gets eliminated by the wispy winds of change, then they're, they're out of that job. And we're in a society right now where people don't want to tolerate, you know, they're, not, they're not patient. They don't want to tolerate any discomfort. Think about the body type of the average American. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, hold on. No, no, hang on. Hang on. What I'm saying <laughs> you, can't, is, you can't talk about patience, though. I don't mean to interrupt you, but you can't talk about patience when we live in a society that's all based on convenience. But that, that eliminates the ability saying. for a human being to have patience. Okay, but you don't have to. You know, the people that are all about convenience, which we just discussed, when I look at somebody's bank statements and they have six figures plus in a checking account, which is right. not great usage of money, but let's say they have 40 or 19 grand in a checking account. And they have six figures to seven figures in a savings or investment account. Those people aren't spending the same amount on Uber and Grubhub as the people that are worried about the convenience that are spending two thirds of their income on Uber and Grubhub. You follow me? Yes, I do. And what, I what I'm saying is that the people that are working, there's not many people that are fully committed to working these jobs through the thick and the thin. A lot of people are quick to leave their jobs. And what happens is, and this is where I went into obesity, is that people don't want to suffer pain in the short term. So if you don't want to suffer the pain of being hungry in the short term, in the long term, you're going to have to suffer the greater pain of being obese. 
So if you don't want to suffer staying at a job because you don't like your boss's attitude, or you don't want to suffer staying at a job because you're not crazy about the hours, or because you don't feel like you're putting it, you know, you're, you're making change in the world. Well, if you're fucking miserable, then fucking quit the job and fucking. Well, my point on. is, the person that leaves that job because they can't be tolerant in the workplace, and then they go and they get a job that can be affected by the wispy winds of change. Okay. Okay. And then they get upset that their wispy job, this is the job that they could get on, you know, on uh, the drop of a hat, and then and then that job goes away. Well, what did you think was going to happen? Fair. But let me ask you a question that I don't think that maybe you've done enough thinking about. Maybe you have. I'm actually kind of curious, and I'm sure everyone else listening in is too. But what then, what the fuck does the future look like over the next couple of years? When, which I actually think the economy will hit a recession when everybody decides to face that reality. Well, okay, so. Uh, I, I, I think you can agree with that. I, I'm sorry. I think everybody's in a fucking delusional mindset. I think, that like, I think we're in a recession, and I think there's a very high probability that it could get a lot worse. Adam invited you guys to share your opinion. If you want, there's a link in my Instagram profile. If you're watching this live, you can click that link, and you can share your opinion on what you think is going to happen to the economy and whether or not Adam has finished his decanter of whiskey. Buffalo Trace, man. Um, best, the best to drink. So, what do I see happening in the near future and the and the long term future? I see. I watched a lot of dystopian movies as a kid, <laughs> so I think there's a. <laughs> I go a, ahead. Yeah, I me too. A lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, a lot of the Sylvester Stallone, Demolition Man type movies. And I, think I mean, Amazon's going to take over and Jeff Bezos is going to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger with his steroids. Dude, I saw a uh, I saw a commercial. I was watching some YouTube videos about inflation before we before we jumped on air. Uh, and the, the, it was a it, it started off like very natural with flowing trees. And then it and then it kind of zoomed out to the earth. And then the earth was projected on the side of a giant building. And then the, the camera panned around the building. And it was, and it was, and then you're in the parking lot on the side of it, and then it was a Walmart. Oh, of course. And the commercial, and the commercial was about uh, how Walmart is changing the world, relying on only renewable energy, and Walmart <laughs> is a sustainable company. And I'm thinking, like, but you're destroying local economies. Like, this is a two, you know, you've destroyed so many local, you know, like Main Street economies where you got a hundred percent. Where you got the butcher, you got the hardware store, you got the you know, the locksmith or whatever, you get the post office, uh, the, and you got the pharmacy. And now you walk down the Main Street, and there's nothing there in the, in, the, in these towns. But you know, within a twenty-five mile radius, you got a, gi- a gigantic Walmart. You okay? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> say you were completely distracted because you. I was not, text, by the way. You're sending text. Way, this, so I, this, this dystopian. No, no, no. So I, 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 I have to be honest. This dystopian mentality that you have. I mean, I think I definitely watch a lot of movies. I love movies. I mean, over the past two years, I think I've watched every movie that's possibly on fucking Hulu and Netflix and HBO Go. But I would say. The future of our economy, to me, you talked about Walmart. Well, let's talk about Walmart. Let's talk about Amazon. Let's talk about Apple and Facebook and these huge, huge motherfucking companies that ultimately, I think, are sort of where we're headed. And I think the next economy is to kind of group a lot of these people who wanted to be sort of independent gigs are going to get slowly consumed by. I, I really do feel that way. I, I do think that, you know, some of these companies are getting so large that it's just over-consuming. I think, I think we're very far removed from antitrust and monopoly laws right now. I think, I think we, I think if you, if you could, uh, when, when did these antitrust and monopoly laws uh, come out? Early 1900s, right? Something like that. Uh, something like that, like the 1920s. I got a 19, yeah. 1910s, maybe. I, I, yeah, I'm thinking like 20s, 30s, or 40s. But if you, I'd, I'd need to research that. We need a Jamie here. I, I, I'm not sure. 
if we if, rush if we had those companies if you could explain to someone in in the antitrust era what the what the massive behemoth companies look like now and and they say well we need some real real laws about this well i think that they would have thought the laws that they passed back then would have compensated for what's happening now and yet it has not well uh, yeah okay but so let me ask you a question and th this is this is a really fair question i think maybe we talked about this uh one night when we went to a bar uh, by the way, uh, Monopoly was first marketed on a broad scale by Parker Brothers in 1935. So you were pretty when, accurate, Justin. When were the antitrust and monopoly laws? When did they All right, Ro just so everybody knows at home, Rosh is our, our, uh, is our guru here on the internet. So he's, he's going to find out for us. We'll come back to that. But uh, going back to your question before, Justin, I mean, I, I'm not... I don't know. I, I you don't you don't feel though that like Elon Musk or or Jeff Bezos and, and the companies that they've built, you don't think that they're gonna wind up having some like over like kind of like an overlord on, on the rest of government? I mean I could see Jeff so Jeff Bezos built this what, four hundred and twenty seven foot yacht in some some European country and in a town that completely depends on this yacht manufacturer by the way which nobody talks about um and rebuilding a bridge after after moving the boat through this canal that you know it has to go through in order for it to have the boat and i could totally see you know an elon musk coming into new york city for instance because i drive a motorcycle and i was in an accident a few months ago infrastructure is a piece of shit here uh and the roads are terrible and i could totally see hang on this you got bezos you got bezos builds a yacht and then you have elon musk coming into new york city is it... wait let's let's skip the elon so so wait you have you have a jeff bezos who you know is going to replace a bridge right and rebuild it which is a wonderful thing for the town but that being said what if a jeff bezos comes in and says okay I'll fix up the 59th Street Bridge in New York City for what the cost would be. So let's say the cost is, you know, twenty million dollars to fix that bridge and and have it look great. But the New York City budget here is so inflated that it costs two billion dollars because everybody has to have their hand in the pie. So I could totally see something like that being a revolutionary way of going forward in our economy after we get out of what feels like and is a recession where you're having more and more of these billionaires come in and instead of them riding to space which listen i have no issue with but you know maybe they become more involved in government and actually fixing government because i i think that too many people in this world are waiting for government to fix itself okay uh, so, so can't you do make, that you make a good point so let's let me back up just a little bit okay um it sounds to me like you're saying Elon Musk is down in Texas and yeah. he's thinking about taking a private jet to, he's not even thinking about it. He's just going to New York and he's obviously taking a private jet. And then it occurs to him one day, I'm getting a lot of flack on Twitter because I ride around in a private jet. So what if I just build a, a, a high speed rail across the United States for you know, a reasonable cost for, you know, a couple billion bucks. And I do it myself rather than it happening for 40 times the cost and it being publicly funded. Right. Is that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I am. Right? We're fixing the bridge because a billionaire wants it fixed and he's just going to do it. And he's not going to have to worry about the public funding and the public being involved. He's just going to do it. That's right. Getting at Yes. So, well, I think what we see happening, and Raj is pushing us to, to come up with a conclusion here, and he also shared that the, the Sherman Antitrust Act was 1890, and Sherman Antitrust Act was the one that I was looking for in my brain. So 1890, I didn't realize it was that early. That um, is early, actually. I didn't know that either. 
he's pushing us to conclude here. I see that. Yep. And uh, I think what we're getting at is that there are some. So we look at the economy as a cycle, right? Yes. And we look at history to predict the future, and I've always thought that was a really ever since I was a little kid in school, they're like, oh, history repeats itself. And I'm thinking like, well, you know, no, it doesn't actually. Like now we have TV and you know, like it's, it's computers and shit. Like history is not going to repeat itself. You know, like, in, a, in the very broad strokes, maybe it will. <laughs> for the most part, for the most part, history, history is going to look a lot different when it's written in a history book 30 years from now. All right. So the, the the next 30 years is going to look very different than the previous 60 years in a history book uh, 30 years from now. So I think what, what I'm getting and sorry, that was I, I, I'm out there a little bit, is that the future is going to look is going to look way different than we may be able to predict it because there are so many factors, especially in the financial market that are so new to us we're talking about amazon we're talking about walmart there's we're talking about gig economy you know something like task rabbit for anybody who doesn't know what task rabbit is if you want a picture hung in your house or you want a roof put on your house or you want or a tv hung in your apartment tv hung in your apartment or you want a plumbing problem fixed there's a bunch of people with professional grades or just experience that will do it for whatever price you know i hired somebody to do some carpeting in my house and some painting in my house the guy that did the painting was not not the fastest or the best painter and he wanted probably not somebody you should recommend that paint job was not that good but he, we he wanted like 130 dollars an hour or something <laughs> and the guy the guy that did the carpeting wanted like i think like 50 dollars an hour the guy that did the carpeting turned out to be a better carpenter all around and a better painter all around so uh, you know, go figure. Fun. Yeah, but but point is, is that you know, I hired these guys for I don't know six, seven hours each on a, a Saturday and a Sunday, and uh, and I just paid TaskRabbit. Now TaskRabbit takes a portion of it, and, <clears throat> uh, and they get a portion of it as well. But moving forward, I'll just be paying the guy who did the carpeting to uh, to do more work. But Justin, <laughs> but, can I can I just say, my man? Can I can I can I just say that the point that I was trying to make before about like Elon or Jeff Bezos was not so much that like that sounds great and all, and what's my connecting point? It was just that I could see these billionaires stepping in and making a better society, and that them using that as a wedge to kind of create where these companies not just these two exclusively but these two companies can sort of kind of galvanize the rest of the economy and even grow them twice as large as they already are and yeah i i think these major companies that are already thriving in the united states and around the world i think their next move is to kind of inspire society a little bit and they already are flying to space doing more than nasa has in the past fucking 30 years that's fucking awesome but they're inspiring people in a way that i think could reju rejuvenate the economy and get a lot of people involved in working with these companies and kind of making them even bigger than they already are which is a little dystopian in the 1984 mentality but i could maybe see something like that happening does that make any sense i mean yeah well i think it does I think and when I say history is not going to exactly repeat itself, this is what I mean. I don't think we're going to see the future looking anything like we could have imagined, you know, if, if we're factoring what we're imagining on the past, right? So it's, uh, it's a weird thing to predict. I think inflation is going to continue to take off, and I think these higher interest oh, yeah. rates are going to actually have a hardcore negative impact. Now, they were certainly real in inflation, but... I think it's not going, you know, high interest rates are not going to be helping out anybody who wants to be buying a house at any point in the future. We have a huge number of cash buyers already. The cash buyers have the money. The people I'm concerned about are the middle class and the lower middle class that, that can be moving upwards personally, financially. 
And I don't think any of this is helping them. Right? The, gig, the gig economy, yeah. I don't think, is helping them because those jobs disappear very quickly. So yep. you might be living middle class right now, but if you're driving Uber and some new law gets passed or the gas prices go up, now you're now you're no longer making the money that you were making. And you're affected because it's a wispy job anybody can get. You're, you're, you, it, it goes away very quickly. Right now, I mean, well, the, the counter argument is you have this, you worked at a firm for 15 years and then you, you, you just get wiped out because they're doing massive layoffs. Well, but that was 2008 and it is now. But, but you're right, though, Justin. It's, it's, and not to, I don't want to end on a, on a shitty note. Fuck, we're, we're really getting depressing here. We, so on a positive note, though, I do think, I do think that the future of our economy looks really great. I actually think that there's so much innovation and technology happening that I actually could see us being able to innovate our way out of this. And I think that what potentially could be the next move would be more of a climate change. Environmentalist. Yeah. And I right, think that that we need to, we got to go, Adam. We need the music. So thank you for joining Adam Cinnaban, Raj to love the background. Thank you guys for joining us. I know the music is loud. We'll see you guys next time. Adios everyone. All right, you made it this far. This is the other end. Thank you for joining. We'd love to see you again. It really helps this podcast. If you like, follow, comment, or interact anyway. And if you made it this far, we would really, really appreciate it. So thank you. We will see you next time. And uh, looking forward to it. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.